So I'm going to do just, I'm going to review just a couple of verses uh, from last Wednesday night. Let's look at 1 Peter 1.23, and then we'll hit new ground. 1 Peter 1.23, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. I love that verse. Say it out loud. The word of God, the the Bible Bible is the living living and enduring enduring word of God. Jesus said on one occasion, he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And uh, everything we see will pass away. It'll all be made new again. So we have literally been born again, born from above. Everything we see will pass away. It'll be made new. But the word of God will never pass away. Any word uttered by God, anything that came out of Jesus' mouth when he was on the planet, that's eternal. And really that's something for us to meditate on because we can count on God. Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, Father, thy word is truth. I rehearse this every morning because I want to I want to get it into my spirit, man. Father, thy word is truth. Every morning I say, Father, thy word is truth. Father, your word is true. Father, you are true. Father, your word is good. Father, you are good. We have to understand because, you know, let's face it. uh, We we live in Isaiah's days, you know. We live in a land of lies and liars. And so we kind of have that ingrained in us. But when we're dealing with God, that's not who we're dealing with. He, he He doesn't speak true things. He is truth. That's a, there's a big difference because, you know, if, if you're like I am, I try and watch what I say and uh, with uh, workmen and things at the house, I, I do my best to, to never promise something that I can't deliver on. And so we do our best to speak words that are true, but that's not who he is. He is truth. In him, there is no shadow of turning at all. So we have literally been born again, born from above, recreated by Christ, in Christ, by the Logos of God, the Word of God, the living and enduring Word of God, the Logos of God. John 1, 1 to 4 talks about this Logos. In the beginning was the Word, Logos, and the Word, Logos, was with God, and the Word, Logos, was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through, all, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. You know, David said, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. And there, there, in the early ages of Christianity, there were heresies that came out of this. The idea is that Jesus became God. He became the Son of God. That's heresy. Jesus has always been, but he was not always known by the name Jesus. In the beginning was what? The Word. When you go to the book of Revelation and you see Jesus returning to planet Earth on the white horse, he has a name written on him. And what is the name in the book of Revelation that is written on Jesus. 
the Word of God. So he is the Word. You know, <laughs> old school things seem to be completely gone. But in old school thinking, you would say, a man is no better than his word. Well, that's true of God, that, that he is true. His word is true, and he is true. There's no shadow of turning in him at all. There's, he, he's never said one thing and said, oops. It's all certain and true and forever. Now, that is the word that brought eternal life to us. Now, Paul saying goodbye to the brothers in Ephesus in Acts 20, 32 said, now I, commit to, now I commit you to God and to the word, logos, of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So this word is faith building and it is grace revealing and it is a word of assurance. The word of God, the Bible, is spirit and life, the life-giving, incorruptible seed, the healing, eternal, living, and active, creating, imperishable, and enduring word of the living God. So why am I rehearsing this on Wednesday nights in this series, Faith and Prayer? Because everything going on in our lives around us seeks to chip away at the authority of God, and the authority of God is in the Word of God. Everything you see going on in the culture is designed to upend the Word of God, upend the values, upend the truths of the Word of God. It's, and it's, it's, it's not an accident. What is, uh, in the book of Revelation, what is, the th what is one of the things the Antichrist is called? He's called the man of what? Lawlessness. That's the spirit of the age. Now, last Wednesday night, Aaron read to you Romans 10, 8, but what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming, and that's from Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 to 14. Now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it, nor is it beyond the sea so you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it, proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. And we dealt with this a little bit last evening and I, I understand, I do, I'm a smart guy, I understand that this is, this is the rub. But once you understand who God is, it, it makes everything in life easier. He is Father. Say it out loud. He is Father. He is Father. And so, huh, if you have a toddler and you're crossing the road, what do all toddlers try and do when you're holding their hand? Talk to me. What do all toddlers do when you're holding their hand? They pull away. And so you're, you're crossing the street. Well, you hold on tighter because you're, you're a mom. You're a dad, right? Now, are you trying to hurt them by squeezing their hand? Or are you trying to 
stomp out their fun factor because they want to go play in traffic? Or what is in your heart, what is in your heart when you hang on to them double? You want to what? You want to protect them. Can you see that? And so these, <laughs> these commands that modern Christians have so much trouble with, I just don't have any trouble with it at all. And uh, so, but that's me. I understand it. But I, I have been blessed. The windows of heaven have opened up above us by complying. Somebody might say, aren't you tired of complying? Well, I'm not, I'm not tired of having all of my original body parts. I'm not tired of having no pain in my body. I'm not tired of being blessed. So why would I be tired of complying with the word of God? Can you see that? And whatever I've given him, he's, he's just uh, pulled a Jesus on me and blessed it and turned around and, and, and multiplied it and gave it back to me. So it seems to be an issue, but it's not an issue with me. Amen. Thou shalt not. Who does he think he is? He's our father. And he's trying to protect you. Actually, what he's trying to do, like with a toddler, he's trying to protect you from you. Because how many of you know there's all kinds of stuff our flesh wants to do? So he's trying to protect us. Now, John 8, 31 says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Now, this, this verse, 50 years, and didn't they do a great job on this display behind me? My goodness. And uh, 50 years. But I remember, maybe not 50 years ago, but I remember... 40-something years ago, people are having trouble with this verse because he says to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Now, the way I understand the English language is when he says, if you are really my disciples, that means it must be possible to not really be his disciple. Somebody asked Steve Deese, the radio guy on social media, I think that was last week, what, are the scary, what do you think are the scariest verses in the Bible? And he said, I think it's Matthew 7, 21 to 24. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out devils? And then he will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. See, it'd be one thing, right, to know that you're a scoundrel, a rascal, headed to hell, but... It'd just be horrifying to think you were serving God or uh, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and croak and wake up in hell. I mean, I think that'd just be terrible. And there's no ACLU. There's no court of appeals. You, you, there's no social media to cry me a river on. See, he says, if you hold to my teaching. And I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself. 
I do not know what, what goes on with people that get tired of the word of God. I do not understand that. And I've seen it several times now with famous word of faith ministers. They get off, they get off the word. And I, I don't understand that. Do, are, are they bored? Do they feel like they have to come up with something new? And there's pressure to it. You know, I think it was November 7, 2022, the Lord gave me the title for the message last night, Give Your Way to the Top. I told him, I said, that's not going to work at all. I said, you know, that's just too much. And so then we, we get to the, the ticket sales. Well, it shows up because when I say give your way to the top, everybody knows what's he going to be talking about? Giving, see? But if I said, okay, we're going to talk about David's hot wives or, uh, you know, we're going to talk, uh, talk about Bible code or we're going to talk about the hidden mysteries, uh, you know, in whatever... Well, that, see, the people, are they, they like that because they've never heard that before. But look, the Bible, as we have it, has been around for about 1,850 years. So if something's new, somebody invented it. And Jesus said, I don't have the reference, but Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them, you think you have eternal life. <laughs> I, I have no idea what could be more important. And if you're like we are at the house, you know, we're searching the, the word on healing scriptures and we're searching the word on prosperity scriptures. We're searching the word for scriptures that cover our case. And, and we're searching the word to meditate on those promises and do our best to get them down into our spirit man so that they become a part of us to the extent then that they become a part of our speech and to the extent then that taking action on them is done automatically without a second thought or second guessing. Right. And I don't understand people getting off the word. I don't understand people getting bored with the word. And here's why. Because I, I've spent my life studying that book and I don't have it down. And I have stuff I'm believing God for. So you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. Was it David or was it Isaiah said, I look to the hills from whence cometh my help. Man's not going to help you. Right. Ain't nobody going to help you. They're going to give you a pill or they're going to cut something off. That's right. <laughs> but ain't nobody, in other words, if, if I'm going to find help, yeah. where am I going to find help? Talk to me. Talk to me, people. If, I, if, I, if I'm going to find help, where am I going to find help? The Lord. Well, how do I know what he's thinking? His word. 
how do I know what his position is with regard to me on any given subject? His word. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He said in Psalm 89, 34, I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. So it seems to me that in a culture of absurdities and banalities and lies and obfuscations, people would be running to the Bible because it's the only truth left. <laughs> but here, you know, people, they're still reading the New York Times. They're still watching MSNBC, all of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's like people enjoy being lied to. I don't. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Say it out loud. Thank you, Father God. Thy word is truth. We need to meditate on that. Thy word is truth. Because it's only the word that we meditate on. When I say the word, I'm talking about the promises. There's more than 6,000 promises in that Bible. And so it's not that hard to find promises that cover your situation. In fact, I see new faces. We're not selling books, but in the cafe, there's a prayer book. And in the back of it, there is a lot of work went into that to find all kinds of verses on healing and all kinds of verses on getting our needs met and all kinds of verses on success and prosperity. Now, they're not all there because it's a big book but there's a lot there. My point is, the only way we can make that word real to us, to me, the only way I can make it real to me, the only way you can make it real to you is to find the word, meditate on the word, to where it becomes a part of your speech and it becomes a part of your conduct. And when that happens, over time, we're gonna get to that this evening, over time, it comes to pass in our lives. So not the truth that you give mental assent to, the word that you assimilate and internalize to where you believe it sufficiently to confess it and take action upon it. That truth will set you free. If you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. King James says it this way. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word. And that's, that's where I was getting to and got ahead of myself I don't understand famous word of faith ministers getting off the word. I don't, I don't understand it. If you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, so we abide in the word. We live in the word. Our home is in the word. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, Jesus said, you will ask what you desire. We've dealt with that word, a teo, and it shall be done for you. That word is not ask per se what you desire. It's to make a demand as you're on your covenant rights and privileges under the new covenant. We're not talking about making a demand of God or having a bad attitude. But for example, when we're attacked in our body with pain or some malady or some symptom, 
We don't go begging to God. I mean, if Austin came to me tomorrow and said, can I come and see you? And he came to see me and he, he, he was begging me. I think well, something was wrong with him. You know, what's wrong with you? You know, I'd, I'd turn him over to Sue and say, what did you do? What did you create? What is this? Right. You know, that's your son. Right. I said, that's your son. And so I think the way we approach God actually a lot of times can be offensive. Are we approaching him as beggars? Is that who we are? We're beggars. No, we're, we're the sons and daughters of God. And so when, when a pain comes into our body or some symptom, uh, we, we, we take our place. We remind the devil, Colossians 2.15, Galatians 3.13, we, we remind the devil that Jesus made an open show and spectacle of him on Calvary's cross, put to naught every work of Satan on Calvary's cross. We remind him that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. And we, we go to God based on that word, based on those promises. Thank you, Father God. You sent your word and healed me and delivered me from my destructions. Jesus took up my infirmities and bore away my diseases, and with his stripes I've already been healed. See, I'm making a demand of faith. Right. Now, I'm not, I'm not coming to God with a bad attitude or demanding God do this or that, but I'm enforcing the word. I have the word. The word changes not. See? And a lot of God's people don't understand something <coughs> so basic. It is so basic. It is so fundamental. It is so basic, and they don't understand it. The problem is never God. The problem is never God. The problem is the devil. And we live in the earth, and Paul says the earth is under a curse. So the problem is never God. So when I rise up and I take my place and I exercise my rights, I'm not exercising my rights on God. God's not the problem. I'm exercising my rights on the devil because he's the problem. Can you see that? So Jesus was actually saying, if you live in, settle down in, take up residence in me, and my words live in, settle down in, take up residence in you, you shall demand your rights, whatever you desire, and they will come into being for you. Now, when I was, when we were on vacation, I got arrested by this word. And I'm not trying to be technical. But I was actually not in John 15, 7. I was studying for some message. I don't even know what it was. And I looked up this word. Genesatai. Genesatai. All right, it will come to pass. Genesatai, it shall be done. It will be done. It will happen. It will come to pass. Now, I said everything I said this evening to get to this point on the surety of the word. The thought of the Greek word here is like something being born, something coming into being. And so he says, the thing that you desire, if his words abide in you and you abide in his words, will be given birth by God in you. It's a staggering concept. 
And for me personally, when, when this arrested my attention on vacation <clears throat> and I got into it and I looked at every time in the New Testament this word was used, it made things very clear to me. Genesatai reminds me of Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, we want magic. I do. I do. You know, I'm believing God for $10 million to put down on phase two. I want it tomorrow. In fact, I think somebody ought to give it here tonight. <laughs> See, that's the way I'm hardwired. I mean, I want it. I want it now. But how many of you understand that generally in our lives, it doesn't work like that? We bring it forth. We bring it forth. We bring it forth. We dealt with this in the uh, spring power lunch. So there's absolutely no limit to the ability of God that is unveiled to us in his word. He said, according to his power that is at work within us. So here are the nine times this Greek word is used in the New Testament. Matthew 18, 19. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you. Genesatai, by my Father in heaven, it will be done for you. Now, I want you to, to maybe make a list of these and meditate on them and think about the surety of what he's saying. This is, this is Jesus. And Jesus is saying, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask for, it will be done for you. It will be done for you. It will be done for you. And I think our problem is we hope. We hope. But see, this is God's word. And Jesus prayed and said, Father, thy word is truth. And Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And this same Jesus says, it will be done for you. It will be done for you. It will be done for you. It shall be done. It will be done. It will happen. It will come to pass. Here's another one, Matthew 21, 21. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what is, was done to the fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. And it will be done. Genesatai. Now, was he talking about a physical mountain? I don't know who wants to move a physical mountain, but we all have mountains in our lives. You know, we have challenges in our body or pains in our body or, you know, maybe a legal issue. There's, there's probably very few things that can cause the stress and anxiety of a legal issue. And you want it to, you want it to move. You want it to be gone. He says, it will be done for you. It shall be done. It will be done. It will happen. It will come to pass. Luke 8, 17, and here I have the Berean literal Bible, Luke 8, 17, for nothing is hidden which will not become manifest. I love this. For nothing is hidden which will not become manifest. That is that same word, genesetai, not secret, which shall not be known and come to light. So like a baby in the womb that's hidden for now, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. It's going to come forth. Uh, one of the guys that I impacted us early on was uh, Paul Yonggi Cho, 
he, he changed his name to David Yonggi Cho, but he pioneered and pastored the largest church in the world. And he was always talking about being pregnant with visions and dreams. See, you have to get the word of God in here and, and, and you got to incubate it and you got to meditate on it and you've got to meditate on it to where it becomes a part of your speech. It becomes a part of your vocabulary and taking action on it becomes second nature. And then over time you give birth. You give birth to a vision and a dream. John 4, 14, but whoever drinks, talking to the woman at the, the Samaritan woman at the well, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give him will become in him. That is this word. Genesetai will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, we want microwave popcorn, you know, two minutes or whatever it is, and, and you got it. That's not really the way life works. It's not really the way life works. It takes time. John 15, 7, we gave you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. It shall be done, it will be done, it will happen, it will come to pass. John 16, 20, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn. That the, what the NIV translates will turn to joy is this word, genesetai. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's a time you don't even know a woman's pregnant, and then there's a time, you know, you think, well, she may be pregnant, but you don't dare ask. And then there's, then there's a, then, you know, it's obvious, well, something's happening, and, and then it comes forth. See? It's a, they call it gestation. And we've got a lot of Christians and they, they, they want this and they want that, but they never took time to create the gestation. They never took time to get the word inside them. I'm not trying to be vulgar, but when, when the Holy Spirit of God created what we call Jesus, how did that happen? How did that happen? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. She was a virgin. The word, logos, was planted in her womb. Oral Roberts used to say that every answer of God begins with a seed. And everything God ever does begins with a seed. <laughs> so let me add on to Last evening, that's why people miss it when they don't want to sow seeds because everything begins with a seed. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said, if you have faith as a seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Everything starts as a seed. Every, everything God does begins with a seed. God wanted to save man from his own sin how did God do it? With a seed. He planted a seed in a virgin. He planted the logos. But she was pregnant like other people. I mean, it wasn't like some science fiction movie. I mean, he didn't like pop out in three seconds. You know? She was with child when they went to um, the census. She was great with child, the Bible says. So there was a gestation period. 
Sue says, my problem is I make it all look easy. So people come in here today and they see, you know, all of this and we got no debt and all of this. And they just think, you know, I popped out of the womb faith man and, uh, you know, spoke the word of God and all this stuff happened. <laughs> the video maybe helped you see. Uh, we met a guy, uh, a pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'd never met him. And uh, I mentioned the word, I used the word pioneer. And he latched onto that. He said, he said, oh, I perceive you're old school. You, you're not one of these youngsters that talks about planting a church. He said, I can't stand it when they say, you know, when did you plant your church? He said, we didn't plant a church. He said, we pioneered it. He said, it was like gnawing through concrete. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't just happen. Right. This is the way of the earth. See, why would we think the genius architect who designed this earth would operate differently than the way he designed this earth? My daughter-in-law does a garden every year. You don't put the watermelon seeds in on Monday evening and go out on Tuesday afternoon and, and, and cut the watermelon and feed it to the kids. Right. See, everything begins with what? A seed. And what does it take? For the seed to come into germination and ripeness takes time. So it's the actions we take today based on the word of God that create, creates our tomorrow. See, in one message I said, if you, if you don't take action today, you're not going to have a tomorrow. You have to take action today. 1 Corinthians 3.13, here I have the Berean literal Bible, for the work of each will become manifest. This is frightening. This, is, this refers to what I referred to earlier. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. It looks like a lot of people are doing the work of God, but see, what they're really doing will be made manifest. It's hidden now. It's hidden now but it'll be made manifest. For the work of each will become manifest, for the day will disclose it because it is revealed in fire, and the fire itself will prove the work of each what sort it is. Like a baby in the womb that's hidden for now, it's going to come out, it's going to come forth. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, here I have the Berean literal Bible. Therefore do not judge anything before the time until the Lord shall have come who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the motives of the hearts, then the praise will come to each from God. Will make manifest. In other words, it's going to happen. We need to meditate on the word of God until we have confidence that what he says is so. This generation is like the generation of Noah. This generation is like the generation of Babel. This generation is, they, they, they know what the word says, more, probably more than any other generation. They just don't believe it'll happen. They don't believe it shall come to pass. Noah Spent all those years building that ark. It's insane. Who builds an ark where there's no lake or no ocean? 
and he was mocked. But when the rains came and the earth broke open and the depths of the earth and the waters beneath began to flood the earth, well, they weren't laughing then. And when Jesus pulls his church up out of the earth, I mean, you think it's a freak show now. What's going to happen? I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like the walking dead within seven days. Because the, the, the force that's restraining darkness is not, I mean, it is the Holy Spirit, but that, the Holy Spirit, you can't take the Holy Spirit anywhere. I mean, the Holy Spirit is everywhere all the time. So the Holy Spirit is, is not going to, you can't vacate the Holy Spirit from anywhere. So the, what, what is the restraining force that's going to be vacated? It's the church. And for all their faults, there are millions and millions and millions of Christians all over this earth and they're praying. So you take that out of here. It's going to be like the walking dead within a week. It's going to be incomprehensible. What would it be like to have sat in church and missed the rapture? I had a guy ask me once, he said, what would you do if you missed the rapture? I said, well, I know exactly what I'd do, but I said, you don't want to hear it. He said, what would you do? This was when all the wars were going on. I said, I'd buy a one-way ticket to Baghdad, and I'd get off, I'd, get off, I'd leave the airport, and I'd just start walking down the road and witnessing to whoever I could talk to until they killed me. Because that's the only way you can make it after the rapture is to be martyred. I don't think it'd take long in a Muslim country have you heard about Jesus? Let me tell you about Jesus. I'm serious. I mean, look, you may think of me as a faith guy, but I'm really a risk management guy. And so if somebody takes the word of God literally, see, this is what I was taught. Finest Jennings Dake taught me to interpret the word of God literally unless it is impossible to do so. So on one occasion, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But in the Greek, it reads, I'm a door. Well, he doesn't swing on hinges. See, literally, you would say, well, you would interpret it, he's a door. He swings on hinges. That can't be right. So Finest Jennings Dake told me when it's impossible to interpret the Bible literally, look for the very next possible meaning. Dr. Robert Toller at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, I was surprised. I did a class on hermeneutics. He taught the exact same thing. You go with literal, and if it's impossible, you look for the very next meaning. So my point is, what is the risk of taking God's word just as he wrote it? There's no risk. But what is the risk of saying, well, this doesn't apply, and that doesn't apply, and I don't like the book of James, and that, that, doesn't, that doesn't, you know, a famous former word of faith minister said, where Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul. A famous former word of faith minister said, well, nobody can do that, so that doesn't apply to us. In fact, nothing Jesus said applies to us. So what's the risk of that? 
incalculable. You could not quantify the risk. And this should be plain to us, having lived through 2020, 2021, 2022, that the, the simplest solution <laughs> is to believe God. Because one thing we know, he's not on big farmer's payroll. Right? And the last one of the nine, 1 Corinthians 15, 54, now when this is, now when this, the perishable shall have put on the imperishable, and this, the mortal, shall have put on immortality, then the word having been written will come to pass. It'll come to pass. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Say it out loud. It shall be done. It, be it done. will be done. It will, it will happen. It will, it will come to pass. Now, in each of these nine verses, the thought of this Greek word, genesetai, is like something being born, something coming into being. And so he says, the thing that you desire, if his words abide in you and you abide in his words, the thing you desire will be given birth by God in you. It'll come to pass. It'll come to pass. It'll come to pass. It shall be done. It will be done. It will happen. It'll come to pass. In other words, this process of faith is like being pregnant. We bring forth the word of God over time. People want magic. The faith doesn't work like that. This is what we discussed in the spring power lunch, inside out. And this is why people fail, because they don't stay with the word. Faith brings forth the promises of God, and it's like being pregnant. It takes time. Just like destroying your life takes time, building your life takes time. I never cease to be amazed at how much abuse a human body can take. Never. I had a man greet me just in the last few days, and the drugs, living under bridges, the alcohol, it is astounding. God really made us pretty durable. It takes a lot. The human body can endure a lot of abuse. So my point is, it takes time to wreck a life. And in the same way it takes time to wreck a life, it takes time to build a life. It takes time. And this is why people fail, because instead of staying with the word, staying with the word, staying with the word, you know, it's like every time, have you noticed, and this is really true, in the, the, not, just, not just in 2020, 2021, 2022, but even now, um, when, when the documents were found in the garage with the Corvette, then all of a sudden the media was talking about UFOs. In other words, here's a shiny object, look at this. And that's, what God's people allow 
to happen to them because some evangelist is coming through and he's doing something nobody ever heard of before. And, you know, there was one famous gal and she, and she would tell everybody to close her eyes and then she would pull pigeon feathers out of her sleeves and throw them up and say, look, the Holy Spirit, open your eyes, the Holy Spirit just flew by. Well, the, the, a friend of mine took, took the feathers to the University of Tulsa and had them analyzed. I mean, who does that? But he did. They, they, they weren't dove feathers. They were pigeon feathers. And besides, the Holy Spirit of God is not a bird. When Jesus was baptized, it says, like a dove. It doesn't say a dove flew by. Like a dove. There was another gal, a friend of ours had, had her in, and uh, she would sprinkle gold dust. Everybody close your eyes. She'd sprinkle gold dust around. I wonder how come Pastor doesn't have more guest speakers, because I don't know what the heck they're going to do. <laughs> you know, T.L. Osborne's gone. R.W. Shambach's gone. Uh, you know, they're gone. And so you don't know what they're going to do. See, and I'm a pastor, serving as a pastor, so I want your attention, I want your focus on the only thing that's really going to help you. And what's really going to help you? The Word of God. Now, what word might we think of? I mean, we don't really want to think like this as Christian people, but um, what word might we think of? What adjective might come to mind when it comes to an evangelist pulling pigeon feathers out of their sleeves or, or sprinkling fake gold dust? Or starts with a C. What, what? Charlatan. But see, if there was no market for that, nobody would do that. So what I'm saying is, let us not be the market for that. Let us look to the word. Like Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Because there's a great cloud of witnesses and they're cheering us on. We can't hear them or see them, but they're cheering us on. But it's the only, the only thing I know that's going to help is the Word of God. Amen. I look to the hills from whence cometh my help. The Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. Just stay with the Word of God. And don't get bored with the Word of God. And my assumption is always this. God can't miss it. And so if there's any missing going on, I'm missing it. God can't miss it. God can't make a mistake. God cannot fail. So if there's any missing it going on, I'm missing it. If there's any failing going, pardon me, any failing going on, then I'm failing. Can you see? And so then that, that helps me. It pushes me right back to the Word. I've been meditating on Mark eleven twenty two 22 to 24 for years. Years. And I, I don't feel like I have it yet. I feel like in my spirit, man, every answer I need is in there. But I, I keep meditating on it. Every morning I'm meditating on it. He shall have whatsoever he saith. 
I'm mesmerized by those words. And those are the words of Jesus. And, and he said heaven and earth would pass away, but his words would never pass away. And verse 24, and when you stand pray, and when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You see, there's a certainty to his language and we have not gotten the certainty into our spirit man and ye shall have them. Say it out loud. He shall have, he shall have whatsoever, he saith, whatsoever he saith and he shall have them. 